I want to read with you this morning uh, Genesis 9. That's where we're going to work from this morning. Genesis 9, starting at verse 8. So read with me, if you will. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and all the living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy the earth. Whatever the, whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it, and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. And so God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all life on earth. We're going to do what we always do now. We're going to pray for God's wisdom and understanding as we explore this text this morning and see how it applies to our lives. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for to be, to be gathered again in this space to worship you. We've already spoken to you about the honor of that, of, of your uh, worth and, our, and value for us just to sing praises to you. We thank you, Father, for the week we've all had, not just the campers and missionaries, but the folks just living their lives and going through their daily struggles, Father, that you have been guiding us every step of the way. I pray, Father, this morning that we would recognize that, that you are the God that goes before us and that we follow you into the battle each day. So help us, Father, to see that on the daily as we follow you. Father, for this time now, I ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit's wisdom, that we could understand your word, and that maybe we'd hear it anew, fresh, in a different way, and that that would instruct our lives as we move forward. We love you so much. We thank you for your divine revelation through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that makes this revelation possible, and we pray that you would do this work to honor him and glorify him. Amen. So, so you've heard this before. This is the story of Noah's flood, which is kind of funny because it really wasn't Noah's flood, right? But the flood of Noah and uh, how God had delivered Noah in the waters. And uh, we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about baptism, interestingly enough, how um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that kind of same delivery. And so just getting into this idea of when, what happens here in um, Genesis 9, and there's a couple interesting things. The first thing is this. Uh, this is the first time, to my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, that covenant is mentioned in the Bible. In other words, this is, we could say it this way, this is the first time God makes a promise to his people, and it's to all people. God promises all people. So the first thing I want you to know this morning is that God does make promises, and we can count on those promises. And so God makes promises, and you can see it here. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant. And if you don't know what a covenant is, a covenant is a promise with what? You and your ancestors and all the creatures on the earth that was with you. And he goes through the list, the birds, the livestock, the wild animals, and all those who came in the ark with you, every living creature on the earth. You know the story of Noah, right? We're not going to get too... Do we have live stream going out? Live streamers, if you can just pray with us right now, we have a medical thing happening here in the sanctuary, and it's 
we're taking care of it. Pray with us. And we're just going to pick up where we were in the message. We were actually looking at uh, Genesis 9, 8 through 17. And uh, we will do this even as our hearts are still with Wilma and her care. So we're, we're just fully aware of what's going on. We're not ignoring that. We pray for her. Um, we're going to faithfully continue uh, exploring God's word here. So this is the first time in the Bible there's a covenant promise made. Um, and that is striking because if you read the rest of the Bible, it's all about how God makes promises to his people, right? Promises that will not fail. And uh, the promise was made first to Noah. And uh, we'll find out in a minute why that matters. And then to his descendants. And then this is the most striking thing about this covenant made, the rainbow covenant, as I'm going to call it, is this to every living creature that came out of the ark with you. And in verse 12, we're going to hear it's in perpetuity, which means for all time. It's never rescinded. That this is a promise that God made that he said, I will never recreate a flood that will destroy all the earth. Um, it's interesting that the, the covenant is made with the creatures who came out of the ark. So what's absent are things like fish and, you know, mammals in the water. But all the creatures that were on the boat, on the ark, were given a promise. That would be all the land-living creatures. Uh, the ark, by the way, is a box or a basket or a chest. And when I found out that the ark could be a basket, I couldn't help but think of Moses, right? He was delivered from death in a basket. And that these, uh, Noah was delivered from death in this ark and the descendants. And every creature they put on that boat was delivered. And I also thought it was interesting that the, the, the ark in this case was built by Noah himself. You know, God could have said, like, here's an ark. Get on it. But he's like, build the ark. You're going to need it. And uh, I, I read someone this week that said, um, being prepared is not being paranoid. Being ready is not being, you know, it, it means you're, you're, you're prepared in case something were to happen. And uh, I know in our day and age, you make fun of preppers and stuff like that. And I get it. It seems a little strange. But to be ready for what may come, in this case, was warned by God. Here's the promise then. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by floodwaters, and never again will I destroy the earth with water. So those are promises that God has made. And then he goes on to say, this is a sign and a symbol. And this is what I really want to get to today. Not only the covenant promise, but the sign that he gives. This is in verse 12. And the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you is a covenant for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds. And we've all seen a rainbow, right? And he says, it will be a sign. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and all the earth. And we're just going to stop there. And we've all seen rainbows, right? Like, that's a thing. You can't believe when you see it. Look at the rainbow, you know? And usually often, I should say often in a storm, not everyone sees it at first. And someone will point it out. Look, look, over there. There's a rainbow. And it's a sign for all God's people. But I want to kind of walk through it a little bit and say this. God brings the clouds. He says that there. Every time I bring a cloud in your life, I'm going to provide a rainbow there as well. It means that he, he's going to bring those hard days, those things that we're not prepared for, and then he's going to bring the promise. And I think it's interesting, too, that he says that this sign, this mark, it's not a rainbow. It's my rainbow. <laughs> I had to re read that a few times. I'm like, is that really what it means? And I looked up the Hebrew. You know, I don't know Hebrew, but I looked it up as best I could. And it literally reads, my rainbow will be a promise to you. And we'll find out maybe how, why that's interesting in a moment. 
I remember just a few weeks ago, I was over at Rural King, and they were having a business after hours, and it was outdoors beside their building. They were still open for business. The whole parking lot was full of people. It was crazy, and the whole uh, cars. But on the side, there was this beautiful spread set up and food and everything else, and it started to rain. And uh, people started giving the owner a hard time. He's the sweetest guy, by the way. If you don't know, he's the greatest dude, the guy that owns Real King. And they're like, what are you going to do? What are, what's your plan B? We're going inside. We're going to go in the back shop. What are we going to do? And he's like, we're just going to see what happens. And, you know, you think, well, how do you get panicked? But it's like, you know, 60 or so, you know, business-owning adults, pretty responsible people. And they started getting under things and putting papers over their head. And it wasn't raining that hard, but the, I, the fear of getting soaked, getting stuck in this downpour began to set in for everybody. And everyone was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And all of a sudden, somebody goes, look at the rainbow. I kid you not. And there was a full rainbow. If you were over at Royal King, you'd be looking this direction, which I'm not good. That's what, north, maybe? West? East? Thank you. There's only four choices, Bill. And you're looking that direction. <laughs> Those are bad odds for me, Dan. <laughs> I picked three wrong in a row. But, but, and it was, and everyone goes, wow. And I kid you not, for a moment, everyone goes, well, it ain't so bad. It's just a little bit of rain. Look at that rainbow, though. That's super cool. And guess what happened? It stopped raining, uh, not because of the rainbow, but it's, you know, God's sovereignty stopped raining, and they enjoyed the rest of their time together. Um, as far as I know, I left immediately. No, <laughs> I left because we had uh, steak night that night, so I couldn't stay. But isn't it funny that it was a sign given that every time it rains, it'll be seen. But what else does he say here? He says, this is a sign. Um, let's see. Whenever I, this is verse 14. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds. Now look at this. I will see the rainbow and remember the covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. So as much as we think we see the rainbow as a promise, the rainbow is there to remind God that he made promises to us, and that's a pretty radical concept. But it means that as much as we're looking at the rainbow from our perspective looking up, he's looking at the rainbow looking down and saying, that's right, those are my covenant people, and I will never destroy them again. Um, that's my promise. And uh, I, I wonder, you know, it, it, that every time this the storm shows up, there's an opportunity for God's promises to be demonstrated. And we saw it this morning as well. But can you imagine having experienced the flood the first time it started to rain again? The fear that must have been in Noah and his kids' hearts. Like, it's not recorded for us, but you can imagine like, oh no, is this another one? And immediately, like, remember God said, never again, never again. I remember I was talking to J.C. Harrison about this after steak night, and he was talking to his children, I believe, and where he said uh, that the rainbow is actually captured in all pure light. You know, like right now, the rainbow is here, but you can't see it because what happens? It refracts, right? We know we're science nerds now. We've been educated and stuff like this. It's not, you know, it's a promise of God, but it's because of the rain and the sun and the refraction of the light and the rainbow in the sky. But it's still magical, right? I mean, no matter how much you explain it away, everybody goes, wow, look at the rainbow. To JC's point, look at all those colors that are captured in perfect white light. If you were like me in middle school, you went and you did that little refraction experiment with the prism thingy. You guys do that? And it divides it out, and you had to put lines in the paper to see the colors. Reminds me of Pink Floyd a little bit, actually. You know, Pink Floyd? Yeah. I mean, he used the rainbow, the prism. It's all around us all the time, God's covenant promises, but we see it in the storms. 
What a great symbol for God's promises. And I'll be honest with you, church, this morning, and I love everyone. I'm a little annoyed that I can't wear that rainbow human shirt. I would have wore it, actually, if I could have bought it my size. Because I'm a covenant human. He made promises with me, too. You don't get to steal the symbiology that God established with Noah. And I don't mean they're really stealing, but this just seems like our culture has taken it from the church. Why? Well, here's the question, really. Why was it established at all? I'm going to flip back a few chapters into chapter 6. We're not going to cover a lot of this. We're going to cover a little of this. But chapter 6 says this. Chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. The Lord, Yahweh, covenant God, saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And listen to this. And every inclination of the thoughts of his heart, of his heart, singular, was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind from whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals, the creatures that move along the ground, and the birds of the air, because I am grieved that I have made them. And in verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So, you, so this is the second point, and you can't say God makes promises without the second point, which is God brings judgment. You see, the rainbow doesn't mean anything if God hadn't judged his people. It was in his judgment of man's sinfulness that the rainbow promise was established. When I read that verse and it says um, that, the, that the, every inclination of the human heart was pure evil, I go, oof. Listen, the word says that it grieved his heart that he created creatures and therefore in his judgment decided to take them out. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was altogether evil all the time. What is this wickedness he's talking about? It's a badness. It's an evil. Listen, it's a harmfulness. It's the wrongheadedness of man or humankind. It was trapped inside of us. I said last week, anytime we locate evil outside our own hearts, we are at risk of severe uh, acts of evil because we think, well, we can't possibly be doing wrong right now. And so he says clearly it's in the hearts of every and all men, not meaning males, but people, that this exists. And that he regretted making all of us, not some of us. It grieved him deeply. But this amazing passage says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of Yahweh, or Noah found grace in God's eyes. That's it. It was one person that he saw he had grace for. And I want to say it wasn't that Noah was, some, was righteous. He was obedient. He was preparing. But it was God's grace on Noah that saved him in the ark. And matter of fact, in, in uh, chapter 7, verses 24 and 8, 1, just two verses, it says, The waters flooded the earth for 150 days, but God remembered Noah and the wild animals and the livestock that were with him on the ark, and he sent the wind over the earth, and the waters receded. So not only is it that he remembered Noah for the ark, he remembered Noah when he ended the flood. He gave grace to Noah, grace that Noah did not deserve. It was his un... Uh, his uh, unmerited favor. So what does God judge then? God judges wickedness. Wickedness in us. And, and, I, and that's the hard thing because we want to claim that promise of God's 
covenant to us that he will never leave us or forsake us. He will not say those things, but he does judge the evil in each of us. That's what he, he has part of his role. He judges the wickedness in any of us. And that's why whenever we start to run around and say, well, we're not wicked at all, we become liars. That's, the, that's not what God says. The rainbow indeed only comes after God's judgment comes. His grace is given to us after he judges our wickedness. We are evil, but he saves us. And so I want to ask a question. Do you believe that God judges wickedness? Do you think that that's something that's going to happen? We're going to end with two passages. So that's the main idea here with the covenant promise. We're going to, we're going to uh, hear from two other passages in the New Testament, uh, and they'll be instructive for this kind of judgment over wickedness. The first is in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 226. It's a lot. We're just going to read it. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness, here it is again, and wickedness of men, that's mankind, who suppress the truth by their own wickedness. Suppressing the truth. So there's three things there. Judging um, godlessness, wickedness, and the suppression of truth. Three things. Since what may be known about God is made plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Because since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made all around us so that men find themselves, that's mankind, without excuse. Listen, here's the key. Because although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him as God, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were dark. Although they claimed to have wisdom, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. See there? It's idolatry. We're going to worship things not God. We're going to worship creatures, not God. 24, therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires to, in their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, that's idolatry again, and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is to forever be praised. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way that men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for each other. Men com committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. There's the word again. Evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. Now listen to the list. They are gossips. They are slanderers. They're God-haters. They're insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but they approve of those who continue to do these things. In verse, uh, chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 1, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. At whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. 
Now we know that God's judgment is made against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere mortal, pass judgment on them and yet do the exact same things, you, do you think you'll escape God's judgment yourself? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that, not realizing that God's kindness leads to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourselves for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will indeed be revealed. God will give to each person according to what they have done. That's a whole lot of stuff there. But it's this idea that, the, um, that our sinfulness is rooted in idolatry and that we, I talk about this all the time, but this idea that I have to get everything I can in this life right now, be satisfied fully right now in this life, and it's a form of idolatry. It gets into the issue for sure that we exchange natural relations for unnatural ones, right? It's very explicit about that. But then it goes on to say a whole lot of other things that are linked to our depraved mind. As you go down the list, it's like hard not to find yourself in there somewhere, right? That, that we have these brokennesses amongst ourselves. And kind of like Log and Splinter, it doesn't say that you aren't called to um, help brothers and sisters with sin, but it's to recognize your first sin. Because it says, therefore, if you do these same things and judge another, then you're condemning yourself at the same time. You want wrath for them, you're asking for wrath for yourself. But it also forces us to acknowledge at the very end there in 32 that those who do such things do deserve death in God's decree. They continually do these very things and others approve of them doing them. So it's like, that's why I say this most dangerous doctrine in the world is like live and let live. You don't mess with me, I'll mess with you. That means we're all condemned to sin forever and be cursed by God. That's not what we're called to do. We're all called to repent of our sin and trust in the covenant God to bring us to salvation, to sanctify us in our lives. That means that we are to grow in his image because of his power in us. Surely we can recognize sin in our life, but God brings judgment over that sin. And the minute you think sin isn't judged by God, you've lost the plot. We've just lost it. So that means that, what's it say at the end? Everything you do will be judged. God will give to each person according to what he or she has done. Guaranteed. You don't have to concern yourself with it. But while we're yet here, we should recognize some things. That God's judgment is being brought about in this time, in our lives and the lives of others. And we ought not to be encouraging people to sin. They exchanged the truth of God for lie and worshiped and created, served, uh, worshiped and served, created things rather than created us. Verse 25. And then I want to point one more thing out because I have one more text to cover this morning. But it says, Or do you show contempt, verse 4, chapter 2, for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads to repentance? I want to say that again, that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And why would I say that twice? Because I have found this to be true in my life. You know how you deal with someone when you really care about them and you, and you, want, the, you, you, know, you, you want to encourage them to stop sinning? You are kind to them. <laughs> we don't scream at them. We don't condemn them. We might grieve with them. We might warn them. I was coming back from vacation and there was a car went by us and it said, love warns. God will bring judgment. Now, it looked like a lunatic car. I'm not saying it didn't, but it wasn't wrong. 
that's true. Love does warn people. Love is not silent in sin. It's not. And so, but what we have to recognize is that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Listen, it's the unmerited favor that leads to repentance. One of our mission team members this week said, I want to stay here and heap burning coals of grace on their heads until they can't stand it. <laughs> I don't think that was right, maybe spirit. <laughs> but that's the truth. It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. I grieve so much that we've lost the opportunity to be kind to people who don't agree with us about Jesus Christ. I grieve so much the opportunity we've lost that we can't be kind to people who are living in a way that's completely contrary to Scripture. Why? Because they don't claim to believe in Jesus. Listen, I grieve the conversation opportunity we lose with brothers and sisters who do claim Christ but continue to live in sin. I grieve it. No. We ought to stand with one another under the covenant promise of God with proper uh, recognition and, he, and uh, um, fear of the Lord. Last verse, cha- uh, 1 Corinthians 6, a couple verses here, 8 through 20. Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's an exclusive command. Anyone with wickedness will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And then verse 11, and that is what some of you were. We used to be, and you might be with me, you go, I kind of still am some of those things. I'm not quite done yet. Yes, but you were like that, and you can remember being like that, and maybe you even know in some ways you're still like that. That's not a call to all the more sin and slander and be drunk and be greedy and be thieves and more and more and I'm fine, leave me alone. No, it's a call of repentance. And that is what some of you were. Listen to what the word says. But you were washed, church. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be ruled by anything Hear that line again. It will not rule my life. There's a danger. We were out there on this um, Pine Ridge. That the, we heard, heard a term, they're Indian Christians. I'm like, what's that mean? Oh, you're American Christians. What does that mean? You're a Costa Rican Christian. What does that mean? Anytime we elevate, you know, a title over Christ, we're doing something wrong. We're Christians. We belong to Christ. We might be Native American. We might be United States citizen. We might be, you know, um, other things. But anytime you elevate any label above Christian as a modifier, it seems to me you're doing it, we're doing it wrong. Not all things are, are everything's principle, but not, but don't be mastered. And that's what I think being mastered is, is to, to label something over it. It's the, it's the highest standard beyond your Christianity. No, Christianity is our highest standard. 
food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Now here's where it gets into, and the Lord is meant for our bodies. That's our physical beings. By his power, God raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead physically, and he will raise us physically as well. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? No way. Do, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? Because it said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is with him in spirit. I want to unpack that real quick and we'll be done today, right? He says it's all about relationship. <laughs> who are you in relationship with? What are you in relationship with? What's your priority relationship? What is the thing that you're most drawn into? And is it sinful behavior, your biggest relationship? Is your biggest relationship with your sexuality? Or is your biggest relationship with your, um, your carnal needs, with, your, with uh, alcohol or drugs? Is your biggest need with something that's ruling over you right now? He's like, no way. We shouldn't be doing that as Christians. We shouldn't do that. But we should be, our biggest relationship should be with Jesus himself. Don't unite Jesus with these unclean things. Unite yourself with Jesus. That's what it's saying there. He who unites himself with the Lord is one with the Lord, our Lord, Jesus Christ in spirit. And like he was raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead. So what? 18. Run from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside their own body, but the one who sins sexually sins against themselves. Do you not know that your body is a temple to Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And the last line here, you do not belong to yourself. You were bought with a price. Because of that, honor God with your body. So everything's permissible, but we ought not be doing everything. And it's not about our rights. My rights, my rights. It's about my relationship, my relationship, which overrules what I have a right to do. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. So glorify God. You are his. So how are we bought? What price was paid? What's Paul talking about here? How are our sins paid for? Once and for all. How are the sins of others paid for? Once and for all. I think you know, but it's this cross, not this literal cross, but the cross that's behind us is a recognition of the cross of Jesus Christ, where his own blood was shed that we might be free. And you might be listening and say, phooey, not true for me. You don't know my sin. You don't know my story. You don't know my struggles. And I say, forget all that. Christ, the very Son of God, died on a cross pure as the driven snow so that we might be covenant people, that we might un stand under his rainbow of promise and just be blessed beyond what we deserve because he has paid for our sin. Church, one more thing. He has paid for the sins of the world and we ought not act like he hasn't. You have a hard time being kind to somebody? Remember the cross of Jesus. You have a hard time loving someone that offends you? Remember the cross of Jesus, you know? And when we see the rainbow, we remember God makes promises over his people. Judgment will come, to be sure, but we ought not be the rallying cry for judgment. We should be the rallying cry for grace and mercy. God, have 
mercy on us? Or do we not realize that it is indeed God's kindness that leads to repentance? Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this morning, for the things that we had planned and that were unplanned. We thank you for this opportunity to get into your word and to hear from you, Father, and in a real practical way, not just words on Sunday, but life Monday through Saturday, that we would live differently. I thank you for the challenges we faced this week, the challenges we faced this morning, your people coming to you for solutions. We thank you so much for your favor today. Lord, that you would work in our lives, that we would have an awareness that uh, this, this doesn't go on forever. I get nervous when we're thumbing our nose at you, Father, because our days are numbered and you're going to call us home. I pray, Father, that when you do, we be found faithful, believing, submitting unto your authority, repenting of our sins. And Lord, I prayed that prayer this morning already that if there's folks here who say, you don't know my sin, we don't, but you do that they would believe in their hearts that they're washed, they're purified, they're sanctified by the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, that they're clean. And the things that you say clean, Father, are clean forever. I praise you for that truth. I pray that we would all know it intimately and deeply, individually and as a community. We love you so much, and we thank you for this chance to worship you, uh, to grow with you. In Jesus' name, amen.